in this series, um, The Presence of God, and it's been, it's been a battle. I've been going back and forth on it. I kind of thought when we were going to start this series, I, I already know how to do this. I already know how to do that. I already know how to come into his presence. I already know how to pray. I already know how to do this. But I don't because this series has been talking about coming into his presence and letting go of our wills, coming into his presence and receiving what he truly has for us, right? So we started this series a few weeks ago. It's about the same time that Laura and I, we, we started a 21-day fast. And she said to me, you know, I think, I think that we should do this fast together, and this fast involves giving up sugar. And I'm going to back up a few weeks ago because I did a, a short sermon on event plus response equals outcome. And the one thing that we can control is our response. And in that response, one of the items that we talked about was sacrifice. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, yeah, I could, I could maybe give up sugar. But then it really hit me. Could you really not eat a whole package of Oreos in one night? Or could you really not eat a whole crumble top cherry pie from Traverse City Pie Company by yourself? Or could you really not eat the big tub of Cool Whip all alone? And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I love those things, right? But in that moment where she's sitting there and she's talking to me about sugar, and then she takes it a step further. We can't have fruit either. You know, we're, we're, we're going to eliminate all, all sugar. And then on top of it, we're driving in the car, and she says, starch too. No bread from Outback Steakhouse, that little sweet loaf. Yeah, the warm, buttery loaf. No more. No noodles. None of that stuff. And in this moment, I, got, I actually got frustrated with her. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't want to do it, and I don't want you bothering me about it. <laughs> if you want to fast, do it on your own and not in our house because I want to eat food and not feel guilty. <laughs> but you see, there's a moment in which I was corrected because it's going to be a sacrifice. You know, we're talking about sugar and starch. Is it really that big of a deal? No. But I'm telling you what, I go home and I eat my night away. I go home and I eat my night away. So this was going to be challenging for me. It was going to be difficult. And in this time that we're going through this fast together, we have a devotion that we do every day together. We pray together. So there's things that we've been doing together that we haven't done, if at all, ever in a long, long time. And in doing this, we're actually drawing closer together but we're doing that in God's presence together, right? So today is day 21. I am done today. Not, not that I can't, I mean, sugar's okay, and I'm, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat a chocolate-covered strawberry tomorrow, even if I have to make it myself. But it's been good. It's been good. It's been a good thing to go through because I'm learning, and I'm learning through the presence of God. I'm learning through the presence of God. I'm learning how to fight my will that Pastor Dan talked about a few weeks ago, right? How do we fight that will? How do we fight that flesh? How do we come up against that thing and how do we defeat it? 
Or how about last week when he almost blew all of our projectors and lights out of the ceiling by throwing footballs? And he talked about receiving, right? He was talking about receiving. What are we receiving? We're trying to get back the mind, right? Mind. And it's not a selfish mind. It's salvation, which is everyone's. It's imperfection. We all have it. It's affection, desperation, and celebration. You see, we have all of those things, and God calls us to receive those things through him. But to do those things, I have to have a good mindset, and I think that's where I can trip up a lot of times because I have a battle going on up here that I don't always win in or that holds me back from fulfilling what he's called me to do. You see, I, think, I, I feel real strongly about mental health. I think mental health is huge. When you see the statistic that suicide is the second cause of death in people between the ages of 10 and 35, there's a red flag. We're losing the mindset battle. We're losing the mindset war. One of the things that I believe that with a good, believe with a good mindset And one of the things that I think is going to set us up for success in that is that I think we should learn something new every day. That's one thing that my dad told me when I was growing up. He always always said to me, he he was, my grandpa was a master mechanic for Ford. My other grandpa was a GM master mechanic. So I had two master mechanics. I know absolutely nothing about cars, so don't ask me. And then my dad was an engineer for Tool and Die. And one of the things that he, he would say to me all the time is he would say, learn something new every single day. Learn something new every single day. Why? Because knowledge is something that people can't take from you. It's the one thing that people cannot take from you. But to have that knowledge, right, to, to, gain, that, to gain that wisdom and to learn something new every day, what do we have to be? We have to be teachable. But then all of a sudden your pride gets in the way a little bit, right? And we start to close that down. And we're not always willing to learn something new every day. So I've been coming back to that. I've been coming back to the situations of, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me? Also, this is what I've got going on. How can I, how can I navigate through it? How do I fix it? And I'll turn my phone, I turn my phone on. Uh, record mode, and, I, and I'll record myself. I'll record myself driving down the road. The things, that I'm, the things that I'm going through, the ideas that I have, there's a lot of times in the middle of the night I'll wake up and I'll have a solution for a problem that I'm dealing with. And if you have that voice in your head that's saying to yourself, you're not gonna figure this out. You're defeated, you're gonna lose Or if you say, I don't have a voice in my head, you're wrong because the voice that just said in your head that you don't have a voice, that's the voice that I'm talking about. We all have the voice. We all have it. But our mindset is simply the collection of all the dominant things in our life. All the things that that voice is focusing on. All the things that that voice is chirping back to us. That's our mindset. Philippians 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Redirect your mind. You see, we are in a spiritual battle. And in this battle, I want to win. I'm a fighter. I'm competitive. I want to win. I don't want to go into a situation ever thinking we possibly might lose or we might not make it out of this. No, we're going to go in and we're going to come out victorious. I look at a lot of things in life that way. Is it right or wrong? I don't know, but I'm, I'd like to. And I want to win this. I don't want this voice getting me to a spot in my life where I'm so depressed and so upset that I don't know how to move forward. And I think a proper, good, Christ-focused, God, God's presence mindset is the key to victory and allowing us to beat that and allowing us to beat the lie, allowing us to beat the voice. But to have that winning mindset, we need to have direction. And I'm not, I'm not talking about jumping on US 131 and following Google Maps and taking every left and right that he tells us to take to get to wherever we're going. That's easy, right? That's simple. I'm talking about divine direction. Divine direction in which we're seeking the Lord in every move that we make. And when we need direction or advice, are we looking to a mentor? Are we looking to a core group of friends? Or do we look to the internet? I'm, I'm big. When I have an illness or an ache and pain, WebMD is my best friend. It also tells me I'm going to die within 24 hours every single time I look at it. But I turn to the internet. Or how many of us put a poll out on social media? What should I have for breakfast today? 9,846 messages later, you don't have a clue what to eat for breakfast today. But we do it. Are we seeking God in what we're supposed to be doing? Are we looking to him? Are we turning to him? Do we want his advice? Do we want his direction? Do we want his correction? And if we want direction, if we're going to last, we need to seek that divine direction about our life, our ideas, our plans, and the journey that he has us on, right? Because life is a journey. We're in motion. We're doing things. We're going places. We're coming across people. We're not at a standstill. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Not in our own opinions, right? Not in our own opinions. Because typically what I'll do is I'll come to God with an agenda, and I have an issue, and I have a situation, and I've really already fixed it, and I just want him to affirm that I've made the right decision. But that's really not seeking divine direction. Because nine out of 10 times, 9.99 out of 10 times, he has something completely different in mind. A completely different plan that was not on our horizon. And we had no idea. How many times do we question um, what to do or where to go? 
I think we question that because we're always seeking, maybe not satisfied. I, I remember Laura and I, when we were married, for the first few years of our, of our marriage, we would often have conversations about, are we where God wants us? Are we doing what God wants us to do? And I think, I think we were looking at all that stuff the wrong way because I wholeheartedly believe that God has each and every single one of us right where we're supposed to be. I also think that God has us doing what he wants us to do. But rather, we've taken that perspective mindset and looked at it from the other way around. But what if we said to God, what do you want me to do for you where you've placed me? How can I see you in everything that I'm doing? How do you want me to handle the individual that you put across my path today? Where do you want me to go and make an impact for you in the spot that you've positioned me in? And I, I've just been looking at it because, because am I not satisfied? Am I not thankful? I haven't sought his direction as what it is because I know now in my life he has me where he wants me. I know that my wife, Laura, is where she is supposed to be. I know that she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Will more doors open? Oh, I know they will. But I know right now in our life, I know that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. I get to coach basketball. I think that's second to my job or, yeah, it's the funnest thing in the world. It's the funnest thing in the world. I, I, I really, really enjoy it. I get to do it. I get to do it. And I don't take it for granted. It's the competitive part in me to win and lose, but it's also an opportunity to sow into a generation that's going to lead us one day. But what if we're not seeking him in that direction? What if we don't come to him? What if we're not asking him? Because if we're not asking him, we're pretty much telling him to stay out, right? We're telling him that we have everything under control. We don't need his direction. We don't need his wisdom. But then we turn around with unthankfulness and say, man, what do you want me to do? Or we can look at it this way. There will only be one of us working on and through the situation at hand, right? The situation that that little voice is saying to us over and over and over again. There's only going to be one of us that are able to work on it. Is it going to be me or is it going to be him? And ask yourself that. Through the situation and through the thing that I'm going through right now, do I want to work on it out of my own will, my own flesh? Or do I want God in control of what's going on? This guy named Matt McPherson. Loved ministry, loved leading in worship, avid bow hunter, Loved to hunt, but he also liked to make bows. So he made bows and he hunted, got to be active in church, active in ministry, lead through worship. And he's on a retreat one weekend and he's, he's helping with worship and he gets all done with the retreat and they give him a $15 check for the weekend. And tell him thank you. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure out that $15 is not gonna support a family, right? It's not gonna work. So he says, what do I do with this, Lord? 
How do I proceed? What do I do? How do I go on? And the Lord said to him, I'm going to prosper you in a business so that you can be self-sufficient in ministry. You see, Matt didn't want mediocre, but he didn't want fame and power. What he wanted to do was make a difference. He wanted to make a difference. Don't we all want to make a difference? We all, deep down inside of us, we all want to make a difference. That's the good part. God turned around and said to him, I know every answer to every problem in the world. If men would only ask me, I would give them the answers. So following this revelation, Matt comes to God and he says, Lord, I know a hundred ways how to not make a bow, how to not make a compound bow. Ben Franklin, all these pioneers, all these people, all these inventors, the people that brought us to the nation and freed our country. They needed leading. All of these people that have got us to the point to where we're at right now, God had the answer for every single one of them. So Matt's sitting there and he's saying, what do I do? How do I make this? I've failed or I've, I've almost given up, right? God wakes him up at three o'clock in the morning sits up in his bed, his eyes open, and there's a piece of paper floating in the air like it had been torn out of a notebook. And on that piece of paper is a revelation and a design on how to make a new compound bow. And a compound bow has a cam on the top and a cam on the bottom, two pulleys, and they have to be synchronized perfectly for that bow to operate correctly. Well, in this design, this bow had one cam, one pulley on it. And it synchronized both limbs on the bow so that the bow could work. So he takes this and he later starts the business, Matthew's Archery. If anyone's a bow hunter and knows a Matthew's bow, it's probably one of the best bows on the face of the earth. But you see, he brought his problem to the Lord. He sought the Lord for direction. He sought the Lord for wisdom. And I tell you that because in that situation, I truly believe that he trusted God completely, wholeheartedly, right? I mean, it would take a lot to turn around and tell the industry that you're in, you're doing something completely different. And he did. Turn the archery world upside down. You see, Proverbs 3 tells us, what is Proverbs 3? It tells us to trust in him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly trust in him. And why do we listen and rely on him? Because he will guide us and lead us in every decision we make. Who is he? He is his presence. He is the series that we're in right now, his presence. When we come before the Lord and we seek his presence in all that we're doing, he will answer us. In Isaiah 48, 17, this is what the Lord says, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the ways that you should go. You see, we need to be encouraged when we follow his presence and his direction. He will sustain us through every question, every doubt, and every attack. He'll teach us what's best and give us direction as to where we need to go to overcome the enemy, right? We don't have the roadmap. We don't have the game plan. We don't need to. We just need to be led by him. And then we read in Isaiah 48, 17, I am God, your God who teaches you how to live right and well. I show you what to do and where to go. I show you what is right. 
I show you what to do. I show you which way to go. And when we have direction, we gain confidence. And I think confidence is huge. I think confidence is really, really, really important. You see, if we're not confident in our knowledge, our attitude, and our abilities, we become complacent. And I'm not talking about confidence, cocky confidence. I'm not talking about confidence where we're Pastor Dan's Heisman pose, where we're, we're telling the Lord that we don't need him. I'm talking about confidence in which I can walk up to any person and feel comfortable in sharing the Lord. I'm talking about confidence in knowing that the place that he's put me in and the wisdom that he's given me, he's entrusted me to be um, with other people and to have an impact on other people through the things that he's blessed me with and the knowledge that he's given me. Does that make sense? I think when we're complacent that that's the devil's playground. I think when we're in a place where we tell God that we don't need him anymore and this is the position that we're in and this is the place that we're gonna be for the rest of our lives and we're content with that, we've just now opened the door for temptation, lust, misery, guilt, shame, fear, worry, anxiety. The list can go on and on and on and on and on. When we are complacent, we are not trusting in Christ. I look at reality TV. I, I, I love reality TV and I hate reality TV. <clears throat> and I, I truly enjoy it. I mean, I like watching Simon Cowell sometimes just burn people. I don't know why I get satisfaction from that. Sometimes I think we're brothers, but we're not. And that's not the right heart or the right attitude. But I'll tell you what, <clears throat> the thing that really gets me is that those things are filled, in my opinion, with sob stories. They pretty much navigate America to vote on the winner based on the worst possible experience in life an individual can have. And then they turn around and they poster it all over America on TV and they sell it to us. And I think that's a bunch of baloney. Because how many times in those messages do we hear over and over and over again that, well, I don't really have confidence in myself because somebody didn't have confidence in me. Baloney. I didn't grow up good. I didn't grow up easy. I think most of us in this room could probably say we didn't have an easy road, right? But I'll tell you what. There is a God that waits for you to open your eyes in the morning. There is a God that waits for you to wake up and rule the world. There is a God that waits for you to get up every single morning and kick the devil square in the teeth. There is a God that is so happy that he created you, he can't wait for your day to begin. There is a God that loves you so much that he gave you a spouse and a family. But nobody has any confidence in me. I can tolerate that for about two seconds. And you can say, that's mean. It's not, I'm sorry. Because God has confidence in you as well. And we need to have confidence back in him and trust that he has us. You don't like where you're at? You don't like what you're doing? Seek him. It will change. Back to, you change your posture, 
He will change your position, right? First John 5:14. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So we're coming to God and we're praying and we're in a spot where we don't really enjoy it and we don't really like it. And we're coming to him and we're saying, God, you know, I just, I really, I need a change here. And it's not happening and it's not happening. Have we ever thought that maybe what we're asking for isn't pleasing to him? Isn't what he would do? Isn't, isn't the place that he would go? Isn't the thing that he would say? You see, maybe we got it wrong. You know, I told you about the house I drive by every single day on my way to Cadillac, and I, and I covet every single thing that this person has. Everything. All of them. Four-wheelers, boats, motorcycles, all, all the stuff. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. I just, I want it. But see, now I've put, my, put myself in a position where God has said, I really know that you want that. And now I want to come to God and I'll say, I'll do ministry with it. But now he knows I'm lying because I'm lying to him just to try to get the things that I want. It ain't going to happen. Because we can't covet. And we shouldn't desire for things that he has not put us in charge of or in place of. Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything through Christ. Because our strength comes from him and him alone. 2 Timothy 1.7. I shared this with a friend this week. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I watched a movie a little while ago. It talked about fear. I forget what it was called. After Earth, End of Earth, Death of Earth. After Earth. And what it says in there is it talks about fear. And I was like, oh, this is an okay movie. But it was a really good point on fear. It says fear is projecting something in the future in which something bad will happen. We're thinking about something that's going to happen to us and we're thinking it's going to be bad right away. Fear. That's all my fear, right? Because I'm thinking about something that's going to happen. Something's going to happen to me, my wife, my family, our church, our community. Something's going to happen, and I'm fearful about it because I can't have the mindset to be thankful or to understand and know that God's going to take care of everything or trust in him. Instead, I'm worrying out of my own will. I'm worrying out of my own flesh. Psalm 71.5, for you have been given my, or for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth, my confidence since my youth. You can be 90 years old and be born again today and you are in your youth. Your confidence is from your youth. It does not matter how old you are, how young you are. You can be 10 years old. But we also like validation too, don't we? We like to be validated. I love to be validated. I'll tell you that right now. I'm gonna walk out of here this morning after I'm done preaching and I want high fives and I want attaboy slaps on the butts. I want the whole nine yards. You know, I want, cheer. I want everything. 
Everything. Because we seek validation from people. Now, validation is okay when we're not seeking it with that heart. When we're not seeking it with that heart. When I have a close friend, Scott, come up to me and say, this is what's going on. Or you did good here. Or you handled the situation well. That's validation. I don't need, I don't need prideful validation. And that's where we can stumble. I love the attaboys. But don't let validation be a roadblock into your mindset and presence with Christ. If we have faith, our confidence will grow. Confidence is an ongoing benefit of living in the word. It's an ongoing benefit. It will continue to grow and get stronger and bigger and mightier and more powerful the more that we're in it. It will grow. The word gives us strength to face whatever challenges come our way. Ephesians 3.12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. In whom we have boldness, I'm willing to go up to and share about God with anybody that is willing to listen. But the key thing in here is access. You know how many paid, paid apps I have on my smartphone to have access to something? But here God is saying, you have access to me 24-7, 365 days a year. It's free. We just don't tap into the bank, do we? And when our confidence is birthed in faith, it gives us a boldness, a knowing that we can achieve anything through him regardless of our obstacles or our trespassers. And we can read in 2 Corinthians 7, 16, Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you and in everything. In you. I have confidence in you. You know, I think there's so many times that we go about life with no confidence. We question ourselves whether or not we can do it whether or not we're able to handle the situation, whether or not we're able to handle the task that he's put before us. So this is my coffee cup that I walk all over church with. <clears throat> On Sunday mornings, typically, I'll walk around with it and set it somewhere, and I, and I spend most of Monday looking for it. But Abby always finds it for me and puts it back in my office. But if this cup right now is filled with coffee, tea, water, whatever it is, if it's filled with this, which is typical on a Sunday morning, it's full. And then I get somebody that walks up to me and gives me a hug, right? Or they're validating me. And they give me like a chest bump. <laughs> and I spill some water on the floor. Did I spill that water on the floor because that person chest bumped me? No, I spilled the water on the floor because water was in the cup. You see, whatever's in the cup is gonna come out. And I wanna know right now, are we full of life? Are we full of love and generosity? Thankfulness, gratitude, mercy, justice? Or are we full of envy? Is envy in here? Is hurt in here? 
Is anxiety in here? Is fear in here? Because I'll tell you what, life is going to come at us, situations are going to happen to us, and we're going to have these obstacles in our life. And when we get shaken, bumped, chest bumped, whatever it may be, the thing that comes out of our cup, we want to be wholesome. We want it to be good. We want, we want, I want people to see it. I want people to see it because I want them to know without a shadow of a doubt that I trust and love God and the joy is going to come out of that thing. You are not going to wreck my day. And then people are going to see how you handle those situations. And then they're going to come to you and they're going to ask for help or advice or prayer. Prayer. And these are opportunities to share. Testimony, right? Testimony. I want my cup, not only do I want my cup to overflow with him, but I want whatever comes out of that cup to be of him and from him and through him. You see, when you're confident in who you are and you know what you're doing, it's going to radiate out of you. It's going to spill out from you. People are going to see it. It's going to be evident in you. I wrote down this morning, as I was thinking about this, because I think confidence is really big. When we have confidence in God, fear will flee to the farthest corners of the earth. It will flee to the farthest corners of the earth. There is no room for fear. There is no room for the devil. John Granat talking to me this morning after first service. He said, the presence of God is in our church. I feel it. I see it. I love it. I hear it. And he said, when the presence of God is in here, and it's so big and so awesome, that there is not room for anything else. There's not room for anything else. So I do want my cup overflowing. Psalms 86, 7. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. We can call him, we can access him 24-7, 365. But the key word in here is will. I'm confident. I know whatever I ask and whatever I'm seeking that is of your heart, Lord, you're gonna answer it. I know it. 1 John 5, 5. And who can, who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. Who's gonna win against the battle in the world? Who? Us. We're the us. We're the who. We're going to do it. We're the believers of Christ. We're the body. We're the church. We have the spirit of God in us. He's given us the power and the strength and the ability to do it. And when we have that faith, which creates confidence, which births boldness, which produces happiness and thankfulness. And I think thankfulness is enormous. You see, the Bible encourages believers to be, give thanks and love the Lord regardless of life circumstances, with thankfulness serving as our central characteristic or one of our central characteristics while we're here on earth. We are called to be thankful in everything. We're called to love in everything. But what if we're not experiencing thankfulness? There's no shame in that. I've been through it, done it, walked it, talked it. I've had hard seasons. 
What if we don't have that sense of joy and happiness and gratitude? Has thankfulness evaded you today, yesterday, the day before that, the day before that and that? Because that's an easy place to get. It's an easy place to go. And if thankfulness has evaded us, there's a good chance that we're looking at it from a mindset that's wrong. It's wrong. Because often that trail is covered by the weeds of materialism, the lust of success, lifelong comparison, a wish for isolation, and the lack of awareness. Wish for isolation. How many of us could be Tom Hanks on Castaway? And I'll tell you what, Tom did it all wrong because I don't even need Wilson. I can go on that island and I can do it all alone. And the world would actually be a better place if people just left me alone, if I could escape, if I could get away from them, if I could stop all the questions and, and, the, and the nagging and, and all the bitterness and the fighting or the unsettledness or the confusion. And if I could just get all that to stop and I could just live on this island all by myself, better yet, instead of it being an island, earth would just be a better place if I was the only one here. <laughs> Isolation. It's the farthest thing from the truth. But when we're not seeking his presence and we're not seeking his direction, those are the areas that we're gonna go. Those are the areas that feel comfortable to us. That's the lie that's told to us that's gonna make us feel better. Giving thanks is also more than saying thank you. Having a thankful heart is more than saying thank you. Anybody can say thank you. I mean, anybody. You could not be thankful and say thank you and not be thankful. You could hold the door open for somebody. You could change someone's tire, right? You could help somebody with something. It's more than doing. Thankfulness is a direct reflection of the relationship that you have with God. It's a direct reflection of how we view, see, and interact with Christ, the Holy Spirit. We see it in the Bible, right? The oil, the woman who put the oil over Jesus' head, put perfume on his feet, right? Why did she do that? Out of just complete thankfulness. She realized and knew who he was. Zacchaeus, what did he do? After his life was changed, he turned around and paid full forward, fourfold what he had taken from people. And they went on to live the rest of their life out of thankfulness. But there are times and there are situations where we can come and we can think, how do I be thankful if I lost my job? I want to say this lightly and loosely, but many people did not survive 2005, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Those were hard years. Hard times, right? And how do you come home and look at your wife or your spouse in the eyes, if it's your wife working, and say to her husband, I lost my job today. You got four kids, house payment, 
because we're told homes are equity. What do we do there? How do we be thankful in that situation? But I'm going to tell you, in those moments, we all experience financial setback. All of us, in one way, shape, or form. There are situations that we go through in life. But when we're looking at it from a perspective and a mindset of, what am I going to do rather than the things that we are actually thankful for? You see, we have to redirect. We have to Romans 12, verse 2. We cannot conform to this world, but we have to have a renewed mindset. A renewed mindset. So think about the things like every morning we wake up, particularly me, I get up and I can walk and I can talk and I can breathe and I can read and I can write and I can count. I'm not, I'm not in a bed, right? There are so many situations in our lives where we overlook the little things that we take for granted. We take for granted. You want to have an attitude and a heart of thankfulness? Go home today and make a list of the areas in which you're thankful God has intervened or the things that God's blessed you with or the things that he's given you the ability to do or the people to talk to. Because I'm here to tell you the list of thankful things is far greater than the things that you're not thankful for or the situation that you're in. I wrote down two this morning. I didn't write my whole message this morning, but I just, I went through it and made some edits. But Because focusing on what is good is the only way that we're gonna escape. You see, we have to have that renewed mindset. We have to change the way that we're thinking. If we wanna win the war, we have to quit looking at it from what we're owed or what we wish or what we desire for and look at it from the thing of which this is what we get to do or this is what the Lord's blessed me with, and I'm thankful for the moment in which you've given me. James 1, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He gave us everything. He gave us everything. Ephesians 5.20, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks, right? Colossians 2.7, and I know there's a lot of Bible verses, and I, I, I usually try and have like three or four, and I have a lot today, and I have a lot today because I'm passionate about this. I have a lot today because that Bible is filled, absolutely crammed, packed full of divine direction, of confidence and thankfulness. Colossians 2, 7, let your roots grow deep down, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, to have or to grow deep in his presence, what do we need to have? To grow with him, we need to have a relationship with him. I look around and there's a lot of people I know in this room. There's a lot of friends that I have in this room. I have relationship with them. That's why I call them my friends. It's not 
difficult and it does not take work for me to be around you. But how do we grow deep in the Lord if we don't have a relationship with him? And how do we do that? How do, how do we have a relationship with him? Talk to him. That's prayer. I pray in the shower. I pray in my car. I pray in my office. I pray at night. But I, I get tripped up for so long about, well, I have to sit in this chair with my knees bent slightly and my hands folded or my eyes closed or my eyebrow up and this one down. I don't know what. But you don't. To have communion with the Lord, you just have to communicate with him. You've got to spend time with him. And you do that through prayer and reading the Bible. And you also do that by acting when he nudges you. Act when he nudges you. Respond when he nudges you. You know that feeling where you get it in your throat and it's like really thick and you can't swallow and you want to throw up but you can't throw up and you wish you could throw up? That's God. That's God. And he's moving in you right now and he's preventing you from throwing up, so go do something with it. Or when you get goosebumps on your arm and the hair stands straight up, if some of you guys are older, men or women, and you got hair on your neck that stands straight up, that might happen too. That's God. Take that moment of opportunity that he has given you and act. I always come back to the moment where Laura and I were in Chicago and I didn't act. And I think I've shared this before that I I went to Chicago again hoping that I could have that moment over again and it did not happen. I should have acted. God speaks to us. But what if, what, what if you don't know how to pray, right? Some of us might be saying, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what words to use. I don't know what to do. Grab a Bible, open it, and just start reading anywhere, anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament. Pick it up, flip a page open, and just start reading. He will speak to you. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles here. It's free. There's no charge. You will get it before you leave. You can come see me at the very end if you don't have a Bible. And it's okay. There's no shame in that. I didn't have a Bible until I was 20. But he's going to speak to you. to him and just say thank you, right? Just say thank you. Lord, thank you. He'll speak. He's going to soften your heart. Well, I don't know how to be thankful. I don't know what to thank him for. Yes, we do. Just thank God for who he is and what he's done for you. I think the message, a verse that I, I really enjoy Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17. It says, let the peace of Christ keep in you in tune with each other. In tune with each other as a church, as a body. In step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing, Rich. None of this going off and having your own opinion. And cultivate thankfulness. That word cultivate is back again. Soften our heart, Lord. Penetrate that soil. Cultivate what's going on in here. And let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house, our house, 
not just our home where we live, but our church home, our community home, our state home, this wonderful country in which we're blessed to live in home and give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Good common sense comes from Christ. Young men, I was that way, sometimes still am, where my frontal lobe is not always attached. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Back when we started service, I know that he's gonna bless me with the ability to sing. I know I'm gonna be on our worship one day or our worship team, not just gonna be up here jamming. I know it probably be when I'm not here any longer, but he's going to put me in this place one day. You see, let every detail in your lives, every detail, the words, the actions, and whatever be done in the name of the master, Jesus, thanking God to the Father every step of the way. You see, he wants us to give thanks to him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to have relationship and develop time with him, right? 21 days of not eating sugar was difficult. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think we put ourselves in every bad spot possible. And having four kids, my my son, (laughs) he would drink a Slurpee in my face. But really, when push comes to shove, how hard was it? Not that hard. Not that hard. Because in this fast, what, what I was learning was when I did, when I was hungry or when I was kind of struggling there and I wanted that Slurpee or I wanted a whole cheesecake, not a piece, that go to him and say, Lord, this is what's going on. I need some strength here, right? Or when we're at Outback for our anniversary, our anniversary, and we go to Outback, not only did we wait three hours to get in there, which is absolutely crazy, too but an hour for our food. And she says, do you want that little bread? And all I could think of is that little sweet loaf. And I wanted it so bad. You see, we're tempted that way every day. That little sweet loaf is dangling right in front of us. And we have the power through our wills, right? To deny that, to defeat it. If you've gotten out of the habit of being thankful, then it's time to get back into spiritual shape. Last 21 days, I'm getting back into spiritual shape, right? Every morning before our, heat the feet, <laughs> before our feet hit the floor, we need to make a habit of thanking God for a new day. I challenged my friend Chad last week, Tuesday. Is he here? I can talk bad about him? Okay. So <clears throat> I said to him last Tuesday, I'm like, man, <clears throat> every single day you wake up for the next week, before your feet touch the floor, tell God what you're thankful for and ask him how to direct your day. Ask him how to direct your day. So let's do that as a church. Let's do that as a church for the next week because I'm preaching next Sunday. Because Pastor, I, don't, I think he's coming home, but he's not home. So I'll be preaching next Sunday. And before you come in the sanctuary, we're gonna have a poll. And if you didn't do it, you gotta go home. I'm kidding. But we need to do this. We need to do this because it matters. Because we're in situations in our lives where we can lose the focus of thanks, thankfulness. We lose the focus of divine, divine direction. And then we lose confidence too. My goodness, we don't want to lose confidence. So when we wake up in the morning 
and our eyes are opened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for his direction. Thank God for confidence through him and thankfulness because of him. Those three things. And then while you're in your day, you want to really go out on a limb, vocalize when you see God work in your life throughout the day. Vocalize it. Because we believe and understand, and there's tests and studies, that this and this start to believe what this says. God, thank you for putting that person in my life today. God, thank you for that person that slipped me a hundred bucks for diapers, right? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for intervening in my life today, for giving me an appointment with you that is undeniable. And then when you're in bed at night, bring them three things that you're having a hard time with, right? Because we're having a hard time and we're in a struggle and we have these moments where we're hurt or knocked down or life is coming at us, but instead of coming in with the agenda of, what are you gonna do to fix this thing? Come to them and say, what am I gonna do in this thing for you? What am I gonna do in this thing for you? So that's our challenge. That's what we need to do. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm gonna speak it out. And God, here's a mindset that I've been dealing with and I need redirection on it. Amen? So Heavenly Father, we, we, <laughs> we come today with, <clears throat> we might come with aches and pains. We may come with a hurt heart. We might come with a situation in which we see no end, no light at the end of the tunnel. But Lord, I know without a shadow of doubt that you are going to prevail, that you are going to take care of all these situations, that you're going to help us navigate these situations and people, these desires, these things in our life that we're tempted with. And Lord, we don't need the world to tell us everything that we're doing wrong. We already know what we're doing wrong. What we need to do is have you in our life to help us navigate through those things. So we, get, we love you, Lord, and we give you today. Amen. You know, this 21 days has been different. <clears throat> I went to the doctor a few weeks ago. I tore my meniscus in my knee, and it's, it's not a big deal. There's a little tear in it. It's like an X. But then a cyst grew in there. So I have a cyst that's grew up through the middle of it. So I got bone on bone, cyst, tore meniscus, and arthritis in the top side of it. I'm ready to cut it off. And in this time, I've also been struggling with a bleeding ulcer. I have a bleeding ulcer. And then I got high blood pressure. Now this 21 day fast has been awesome. And we've eliminated some things from our diet which have been beneficial to me, I believe. The first four days of the fast, I was on a sugar hangover, I think. I had not, a, not an excruciating, headache, but I had a headache for four days. Since then, I haven't had one headache. Haven't had a migraine. I was having migraines that would knock me out and for the next day. So we're going through this fast and what we're doing is we're praying for answers. We're coming close to each other. Laura and I, we're agreeing on things. We're coming into the presence of God and seeking his divine direction. I feel good. I feel like a million bucks, 
but I feel like a million bucks because of him. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. So this week, seek the Lord in all that you're doing. Get that divine direction. Regain your confidence. And come to him with a thankful heart. Be blessed and have an awesome week.